0: You're listening to the Platte River Bard. After an incredible weekend of the Marriage of Figaro, Opera Omaha has even more opera goodness planned. And what a perfect time while we are still basking in the afterglow of Figaro to tell you about it.
1: We talked with Lauren Medici, Director of Engagement Programs, and Kurt Howard, Producing Director. We discussed Everything else scheduled for 2023, including Poetry and Music, Opera to Go, Opera Outdoors, and Opera in Conversation, their new season, as well as a host of other things, including their fellowship program.
2: So we have our Holland Community Opera Fellowship, and those are four artists who are with us, and it's really about being both honoring their artistry and their skill, but also... As teaching artists and, and kind of teaching artist training and, and an incubator for that. And they work with community partners all over the city and do creativity workshops in all different ways.
3: We're unique in that program in that it's not opera education. We're not going out to teach people about opera yeah. or to understand the stories or learn about the operas that exist. We use the tools that these fellows have as opera makers to unlock and inspire others for their own artistic or expression of any sort in what they're trying to do or add to their lives.
0: And on May 7th, Opera Omaha's Poetry and Music Project concert will begin at Benson Theater. Now in its sixth year, the Poetry and Music Project connects student poets and their words with composers to create original music and explore the connections between poetry and music.
1: This concert will premiere 15 original pieces with words from poems selected from Nebraska students and set to music by professional composers Gabrielle Herbst and J.E. Hernandez. The theme for this year's project is Finding Your Voice. These original poems, written by Nebraska students grades 3 through 12, were selected from a pool of 135 submissions from 117 poets across 14 Nebraska counties.
0: Opera Omaha's goals are to inspire, collaborate, and co-create with all of us in the community.
1: All of the
2: poems that get submitted to the project are featured in the Poetry Music Project book because it's not about, it's not a contest. It's not about what is the best poem. We're talking, we're back to talking about inspiration right? About yeah. reading all of these poems, what strikes for these composers that they hear music. And that's what we're looking for as part of that process.
3: I think an element of what Lauren was talking about, of this creating with poetry and music, is leaning so much into what we do isn't just about the performance that the audience sees, but how do we create this space for artistic creation? I talked about a short rehearsal process for the main stage stuff, but still there's the artistic creation that's part of it. And how do we as a company support those artists co-creating together, that they feel the space to take artistic risks and make challenges and make decisions themselves that make this a unique production for this time and space for what we see there. And how does that inspire others? opera omaha's opera to go will be delivering snackable opera bites
1: to your community these free outdoor concerts will feature live performances with local artists in bite-sized pieces the admission is free and the upcoming opera to go performances are june 9th at elkhorn days june 16th at gifford park neighborhood market and June 25th at Florence Mill Farmer's Market. On September 8th will be the annual Opera Outdoors.
2: Way away. So even before we get to opera outdoors, we'll do um, opera to go in yeah, the spring and about, summer right. where we'll be at uh, farmers markets and we'll be at we're partnering with Omaha Mobile Stage for their youth talent contest this wow. summer. So we'll be at a couple of those. And so that will be, you know, all all kind of over town. And then, yeah, we'll come back and start our season. Our big season kickoff is is opera outdoors um, in September at Turner Park at Midtown Crossing.
0: And then in October, Opera Omaha's upcoming season begins, and today we talk with them about their three operas, Don Pasquale, La Triviata, and El Ultimo Sueno de Frida y Diego, The Last Dream of Frida and Diego.
3: Typically it will start with one spark of inspiration, um, which we will then flesh out, and then um, look at are sort of our mandate and our, our structure of doing something which is traditional, not necessarily always in a traditional way, doing something lesser known that comes out of the traditional canon, and then something contemporary or really tied to our times um, has been sort of our basic model of how we thought about things. So over this coming season, the starting point was La Traviata. Um, Andrea Churchman, who is singing the role of Violetta, asked to debut the role here with us. She's had a longstanding relationship with us over the last few years, feels that artistic freedom and safety that we create uh, for artists exploring a role. So that was the starting point in planning for next season.
0: The Platte River Bard is working on increasing our own opera knowledge and delve into this incredible world more. And if it's new to you too, we invite you to join us on this journey of discovery. Or, if you're an opera aficionado, we know that you'll find value in these conversations. We are grateful for the creatives at Opera Omaha who are making opera and performing arts happen
1: in our state. And now, on to our talk with Kurt Howard and Lauren Medici. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Platte River Bard. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. And we are here with Opera Omaha today. Specifically, we are here with Lauren Medici. She is the Director of Engagement Programs. And Kurt Howard, he is a Producing Director at Opera Omaha. Thank you very much for talking with us today. Yes,
0: thank you. Thank you happy for happy to be here us. Oh, we're happy to have you. And you have so much exciting news because your new oh season gosh, is yes. out. So we're excited to talk with you about that today. Absolutely. It's an exciting season to share. It is. And I I was just looking. We're in this fabulous room down here at Opera Omaha. And the paintings on the wall actually match what's in your brochure for next season. I think that's gorgeous. They do.
2: Because our artwork for next season um, are original commissions by... uh, Omaha, Nebraska-based artist uh, Nathaniel Rulo, who Mm. we've worked with uh, for a couple of years in a number of different ways, Um, and he's a wonderful visual artist, and so uh, we met with him and talked about the season and inspirations. And he created four pieces of art, um, one for each show and then one uh, image to really capture the whole season. And so we have the originals here in the Opera Omaha office. And then those are the images that are our, our show images and on our season brochure. And they're just really vibrant and wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they all have a little bit of a different style, but they all tie together. Yeah. Like I was even just thinking of, um, the
0: shows that you have and kind of where they originated from and the colors correspond with those, those areas in in my mind too. So they're really beautiful. What a neat idea. Yeah. And a way to incorporate another kind of art into the art. That is what we love to do here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you've, you've got your opera and conversation that's coming up the after the curtain.
2: Yeah. And that's actually where we first um, interacted with uh, Nathaniel, who created our season art was, he was one of the artists who did our, after the conversation for the Capulets and Montagues last season. Um, and that's where our relationship kind of started. And so um, it really has blossomed. Uh, that's a better joke if it's visual, it's a podcast, <laughs> so you won't get it. But the season art is all florals. So, <laughs> 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 uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but that after the conversation is a, a really interesting way for us to really encourage true audience feedback and response to that opera. So we have two artists who are not traditional opera artists, who are artists from the Omaha community, who cool. are in kind of a moderated, facilitated conversation about their experience of the opera as an audience member, I as know. an artist. What sparked and inspired them and then it also invites really interesting conversation from <coughs> our participants in that way to to invite that and um we feel like we get really great questions and deep insights and perspective and it's not hampered by the idea of you have a director the director of the opera sitting on stage in front of you where you're like well i can't actually tell you what i thought because you made this thing and that would be mean um so it's really right. a space for that for that feedback and it everyone leads to really interesting insights that, you know, we wouldn't have heard otherwise.
4: Yeah.
3: As Lauren said, um, th- it, this is actually a really unique way of doing talkbacks after a show. Yeah. No one else in the opera field has ever heard or thought of really?
1: taking the
3: creative team out of the conversation. And so it becomes more than, uh-huh. oh, that soprano was lovely or I liked that music. It really gets into philosophical questions that we're not there to answer but just discuss. So oh, wow. um, it's, it's really quite a wonderful experience. That's really cool. It also really leads into a lot of what we think about the what, the work we are creating, that the idea uh, that's a value to me as a producing director is what does it inspire in others? What does our art making inspire in others? What does it lead to other thoughts, other experiences? Does it create empathy around a story? Does it uh, inspire an artist to then create an artistic response to it. And um, that's really a great way of seeing what impact you have on the audience.
0: I know theaters sometimes do talk backs after performances, but but they do inc- include the creative team. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. a really neat idea. To
4: that, think yeah, that,
1: that, Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That probably is unique because the creative team is always there right? in yep. a talk back. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, no no matter what it is. And taking them out of it and just hearing directly from the, you know, from people in the audience, whether they be artists or not,
4: mm-hmm. yeah, um,
1: and see what they think, and mm-hmm. there's no sort of pressure to sugarcoat things, or and then also different questions.
2: Yeah.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah. because, you know, you don't have that creative team there, and so they're just going to ask whatever they feel like.
2: Yeah, and it also gives yeah. a little bit of time. We do it on the Tuesday following performances. You know, we're aware that if you're coming to Marriage of Figaro, it's three hours long, and, like, the idea of, like, mm-hmm. hanging around for 20 minutes while we reset the stage, and, like, then talking, like, that's not always a great, experience so you can come out on tuesday night we're at the benson theater this year for these and so okay. you can come out to the benson theater you can get a drink before after mm-hmm. the bar is open yeah. um you know have you know start those organic conversations have a little bit of time also to like process your own experience and your own thoughts and and then you know come and see us there and be in conversation with other people who have also been you know seen the show and are thinking about it uh mm-hmm. and want to talk in that way about their experience
0: and there's been so much excitement about Marriage of Figaro, I think, that I have heard about. Yes. I mean, even, I mean, just people, they want to see it more than once. It doesn't matter that they saw it a couple of years ago. They want to see it again or whenever they've last seen it. They want to see it again.
2: There's something about opera as an art form that has, you know, we have this canon, right? We have these, we have these yeah. pieces that... Um, have stood the test of time, have lasted centuries for a reason because they're really great. Yes. They're masterpieces, right? And yeah. so we can think in a space, you know, not only with Figaro, but with, with the shows we're doing next season too, of they're fun to revisit. Yeah. You know, It you want to see what happens in this translation of it, in this recreation of, of this opera. There's the excitement to it because there's also the space when we think about, tropes and stock characters and there's a level of familiarity and comfort there that can be really great. Sure. And even if you've never seen opera, you know you'll sit down in some of these pieces and you'll be like, oh, I get it. We have a villain, we have a hero, mm-hmm. we have a damsel in distress. We have you know we have these these, you know, the comedic foil. we have all these characters and so part of that is that you don't have to do homework before you come. If you want to, we, we have all of that online. We have a whole study guide. If you want to read all of that, by all means. But also, you know, you can you can show up at the theater and for this production and you're going to be able to dive in. Yeah. And you have a study guide.
0: And I, I haven't had time to go out there and, and look at it yet, but... It's on my list to do. Do you have a study guide for every production, and I've just missed it. We do.
2: <laughs> well, we... <I> suck? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's I part of that. No,
2: so it's. I mean, some of that is is because it's it's changed. We've always had a study guide for every production where we've had a student dress rehearsal, and since um, okay. since I started at Opera Omaha, we've done a student dress rehearsal for every Orpheum Theater production. Um, because my first opera experience was a student dress rehearsal for Boem. And so mm. when I got here we were doing one student dress rehearsal a year and I was like can we do it for all of them because yeah. it's so important. So we do. And we do a study guide for all of them. Oh, but wow. in the past that's really only been available for students and teachers who have come to the dress rehearsal. Okay. Oh. And now we've made a change starting last season where those are available um, for anybody on on our blog oh. um, so you can so you can go and find it. They're written for kind of the school age ranges that That are coming to the show Mm -hmm. they're written in mind with the nebraska state um, education standards for the arts so that they tie into some of those state standards um but really you know they are anybody can can find them and enjoy them and sometimes we'll pull things out of those study guides and and put them on social media or or in other places um but they're really a a great resource for anybody who who wants to dive in yeah,
4: take,
3: I use that, them for care. the cast as well now, especially um, because we have a lot of non-singing roles in our operas, the supers, as we call them, okay. um, who wouldn't be familiar with the piece. They show up first day of rehearsal and are told what to do. They don't have a score or any of that component. So providing them the study guide before they arrive gets them at least kind of on the same page mm-hmm. as the rest of the cast that have been memorizing the music and studying it. Right, so, they've been living What with a it. great yeah. idea.
0: I love to learn about all of the different shows and performances. So I think that's just, that is so neat. It's better than, it's got to be better than Wikipedia. Sorry. Yeah, (laughs) that's okay. (laughs) Which is where I normally go first.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. especially about stuff that we've heard about Mm -hmm. for all of our lives, like A Marriage of Figaro. Mm -hmm. I think we've Mm -hmm. all, I mean had some even minor experience with it since we were kids in 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 some way or another Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then when you finally get to see it you're like yeah what is this Mm -hmm. about
3: actually (laughs) well part of what it's about too and the things that i get to do is the casting for this um opera has a very short rehearsal period as compared to normal plays does it yeah so the artists and the performers in this show up about a month before the performance begins Mm -hmm. so they really have about two weeks in the rehearsal hall and two weeks on stage oh, wow. for pulling it together. Um, so for a piece like Marriage of Figaro, it's very much an ensemble piece. It's the way the group of people interact with each other and okay. respond to each other. And so choosing a cast, like with uh, Mary and Michael um, as the Count and Countess, they have a natural relationship. But this mm-hmm. particular cast, everybody is connected to each other in some way, either having performed together or like Michael was in the chorus and Vanessa Becerra, who's sings Susanna, was in the chorus for shows that Vicki Livingood and Rod Nelman, who are the Marcellina and Bartolo, have been in. So there's long histories among all of them of being in spaces together, which creates that ensemble comedic um, uh, rhythms and patterns with each other really quickly. (laughs)
0: And how do you go about deciding your seasons? Is that is that oh, okay? That is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm <laughs> that. In is the yours? Because <laughs> <laughs> I I wondered if maybe you're doing it in collaboration with other cities that have are hosting opera and doing opera in their cities.
3: We do at times. This season started off with X, the life and times of Malcolm X, yes. um, because it came to our attention that a new production, a new interpretation of it was being created. Yeah. And so we jumped in on that. So that lives in the world of our co-productions, which is one way, not of saving money on the production, but making it bigger than we could do ourselves. Yeah, that By was having cool. multiple yeah. companies participate in the sets and costumes. Yeah. That means we can do more, not that our costs go down. <laughs> <laughs> not
0: necessarily. Yeah. So, so that means your sets are traveling with your people to the next place? It um, depends.
3: It depends. Uh, Malcolm X, there was a lot of cross-casting, but each company – hires the cast independently. Oh, wow. okay. um, directors will be, and generally lighting designers and costume designers, will be attached to the physical production, mm-hmm. but all the rest will be decided upon the company that's presenting it. Wow. Okay. And I so, noticed
0: for Figaro they used a Kansas City company for their sets and costumes. Yes. yes. Uh, lyric so Opera of Kansas, Kansas City has, lyric, a,
3: yeah. has yeah. a great set um, that's been used multiple times. We're using it with not the director that created it. Um, Dean Anthony is coming in primarily because of his expertise in physical comedy and commedia dell'arte, and he also has a long relationship with many of these singers as well. Um, partnering with our conductor Stephen White, who has been a regular for us over multiple seasons mm-hmm. here, um, they also have developed a working relationship over the past year from a concert they did with us last spring. Who we cast in a show sometimes relates to another production of it, but most often does not. Okay.
0: So when you put your seasons together, what are you are you going with a theme, or what? How do you decide the three? operas that you want to put together into, you know, to create your season?
3: Typically it will start with one spark of inspiration hmm. um, at which we will then flesh out and then um, look at our sort of our mandate and our, our structure of doing something which is traditional not necessarily always in a traditional way, doing something lesser known that comes out of the traditional canon okay. and then something contemporary or really tied to our times, um, has been sort of our basic model of how we thought about things. So over this coming season, the starting point was La Traviata. Um, Andreana Churchman, who is singing the role of Violetta, asked to debut the role here with us. She's had a longstanding relationship with us over the last few years, feels that artistic freedom and safety that we create Mm -hmm. uh, for artists exploring a role. So that was the starting point in planning for next season. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and so she had a limited time on her calendar of when she could do that, and that's how that show ended up in the winter. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> so uh, th- th- this is the first time that Opera Omaha has been putting on La Traviata. Uh, no, it'll be the first time she sings the role. The last okay. time we did Traviata was 2012, so it's been oh, okay. a while since it's yeah, been okay. Yeah, yeah, over ten years now. And so
0: that's the second. Th- that's going to be the second one in your in your season, Uh the one you're going to do before that.
3: Uh, Yes, Don Pasquale. Um, So that one came in and fits sort of in the lesser known, oddly, category. Um, Don Pasquale last was done here in 1997. Oh, wow. So it's been quite a while. But it's an opera that's considered one of the top three Italian comic operas. So it's one that people have heard the name of and kind of know of. Yeah, Yeah, because I've Um, seen the name, yeah. Yeah, but it just hasn't been done all that much, which is surprising because it's a great, fun show. It's all the comedic tropes um, tied together, and we have um, uh, someone making his debut singing the role of Don Pasquale, Jarrell Williams will be doing that. Um, And Vanessa Becerra, who's in Marriage of Figaro, will be coming back to sing the role of Norena. Hmm. Uh, we've hired her husband, Luis Orozco, to play the role of Ernesto, which is her lover in the in the piece. And we have a local favorite, Taylor Staten, who is singing the role of Dr. Malatesta, which is helping to manipulate and manage the um, disguises and artifice within it. Excellent! Excellent.
0: And so that that ac- that story is well, it it's from the 1800s. The setting is in Rome. Do you want to talk a little bit about? Sure. We
3: are not setting, it <laughs> no. not setting
4: it in Rome. You're well, Rome? No,
3: no. Um, so this is one where because it's not a piece that's done a lot, there is we haven't found a place that has both sets and costumes that have been created as one. So this is one where part of my role is we have found a set that comes out of Virginia. And it's set basically in early 1900s in Brooklyn. So okay. we, have, we have that sort of feel of the set. Cool. Uh, and then we have a set of costumes that are coming from Santa Fe Opera, which are a blend of a little bit more modernistic. So we get the older version of Don Pasquale in his dressing robe and kind of fitting into that you know, Brooklyn is timeless in that it's always as old as it was and always as new as it is today. Uh. So we're kind of bridging that sense of the younger kids being more modern and the older uh, uncle being a little bit older to fit into that space.
0: So you work pretty closely then with the directors in order to create this different experience with this play.
3: Yes. Um, The world of opera... uh, Quite often, I and the general director, which is now Allison Swenson, will um, go ahead and sort out what are our options out in the field for a mm-hmm. rental type of a production. Okay. Um, historically, with Opera Omaha in the last few years, we have rented two productions or co-produced like with Malcolm X, mm-hmm. um, or built one new production. We've just come out of a cycle of a number of shows that were delayed due to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So this last season, um, the season before last was all new productions <laughs> that had built up. Right. So we had three new productions in a row that we created, um, which is where the director and the scenic designer and all are much more involved in that creating that space. With a rental production, more often than not, Um, I and the general director will have decided on one or two set options as a starting point, and then we'll hire the director in and see whether that production will work for them or what they need to adapt to that. Um, Our recent Soir Angelico was we'd already decided the sets and costumes. Director came on. There were some things she needed the set to do, which it didn't do, so we created and added to that. Oh, wow. Okay, so now I'm
1: getting it. So producing director is a little bit new to me and, and so so you are so you have different directors for each of the shows. Correct. But you are the director here at Opera Omaha that sort of oversees, oversees all of them and works with all of the directors. Am I getting that yes. close yeah. to what you do? Yes, very much so. <laughs> so
3: yes. Um my role really is What is the company envisioning about this piece? And then identifying the right people and the right resources to make that happen.
1: Okay. Okay. Producing director. Yeah. See, if I just sit and think about it for a second.
3: I get to do the parts that don't involve fundraising or ticket sales, hey. but I just get to make pretty shows that sound beautiful. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it does.
0: It does. So, okay. So the first one, so that's going to be at the end of October. Mm-hmm. And that's then right. in February of 24 is going to be the La Traviata. And okay. may be your last one, which I'm not going to try to pronounce it in Spanish. It is a Spanish play, but it's called The Last Dream of Frida and Diego.
3: So El Ultimo Sueno de Frida y Diego is um, a piece that just premiered this last fall. It's a Latin Grammy winner composer, um, Gabriela Elena Frank, and the libretto is by a Cuban-American Pulitzer Prize winner, For his playwriting, Nilo Cruz. Okay. Um, So it's a piece that has just come out. It will be a physical production that we are renting entirely. Okay. Um, It will be playing in San Francisco this spring and Los Angeles next fall before it comes to us. Oh, wow. Um, We will use the same staging director, the same lighting designer, costume designer, all of that because the costume designer will need to. Reconfigure the costumes for the cast that we have, sure. um, which is a different cast than is playing in either San Francisco or Los Angeles. Okay.
2: So I think I think an interesting point from what Kurt was saying, and that is really different from from theater, is, well, you know, we'll talk about a set has been somewhere else, or this production has yeah. been somewhere else it's not like a Broadway tour. It's Mm -hmm. not like it comes to us. We do, we rehearse it a couple of days and it goes on stage exactly the same, you know, the elements might be coming from different places, from rentals from different companies or working with different directors. But, you know, really we're, we are producing company. The, the Mm. production that you see from Opera Omaha at the Orpheum stage is unique to Omaha is unique to, to this experience. You know, they've, they've, rehearsed it here they've built it here this cast and company are are here um and that's you know we're only on stage at the orpheum open to the public for two nights but you know all of the the years and then and then like weeks of rehearsal that happen are are here in omaha
1: yeah well and it sounds like that there's a lot of uh set uh, costume sharing just what maybe in the opera community mm-hmm. in general yeah mm-hmm. absolutely uh, that's, the, 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 that's a thing that happens that's
2: mm-hmm. absolutely part of the part of the model so similarly s- similarly we have sets and costumes and productions that other companies will yeah. will rent from us they'll say mm-hmm. gosh I really loved you know your production of of this we're gonna do that next season you know can we can we rent those sets or those costumes or, you know, bits and pieces of, of either of it? Oh, wow. So you've got to store all
1: that. We, we do. We have a very large yeah. warehouse <laughs> space. Yeah, yeah it's we obviously do. not here. No, it's obviously <laughs> not <here>. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, That is well, fantastic. Well, and I know
0: theaters that have tried to do something like that, but it, it's always, I think it's always really tough to do. So that's yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really neat that somewhere. you guys yeah. are able to have those relationships mm-hmm. and be collaborative because it's, I think it's a tough thing to do. Yeah.
3: Yeah, two of ours that are... Having the most traction right now is we did a production of Faust a couple of seasons ago, Mm, and that has gone to Detroit, and a couple of other companies are looking at it, Um, and a a piece called Proving Up that uh, was done Mm -hmm. a a few years ago. That's Mm -hmm. being done in several places, so those are the big ones that have been going out from us.
0: Is there like a convention that you guys have every year? A conference? Yeah, I call it a convention. A conference. Yeah. It's probably more of a conference. Yeah, we do. I mean, there's
2: a so there's an industry organization called Opera America, which uh, Kurt actually came to Opera oh. Omaha from Opera America. Oh. Um, yeah. But so we're you know kind of connected with our industry colleagues in in that way. Um, and then there's an annual conference, and um, you know not only with sets and costume sharing, but amongst like the education and engagement part of Opera America. We we talk with each other a lot because the thing about opera is that many of us are in the situation like we are in Omaha, where Opera Omaha is the only professional opera company in the state. So mm-hmm. if we are just talking about opera, you know, that you know, who we who we talk to, a lot of that is is with other you know, other companies across the country and so those those networks and relationships are are really great. And I always mm-hmm. like to joke, if you think like the arts world is is small, like the, the opera world is about the size of the tip of your pinky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and so, you know, Kurt was talking about when when they were talking about casting and those artists who have worked together and established those mm-hmm. relationships in that way. It's also true in other parts of the industry that, you know, we've – people have moved or worked or worked on different projects or, you know, connected and networked in that way. And that's something, um, you know, that has been really positive and and supportive as a way to, you know, we can think about what these, you know, production sharing but also resource sharing. We talked about the study guide, right? Yeah. mm X was in, you know, had a production in Detroit and then came to us. And so that was like a lot of collaboration with Detroit to say, hey, you know, can you share what you put in your study guide? What was really interesting and great? Mm-hmm. You know, and then if we can, you know, use some of that, obviously, with credit and attribution to, right. to where it came from. Right. Um, but, you know, that type of, of collaboration is, is really important.
1: And that actually sounds really appealing that, that it is, it is a, it's a smaller community and that you tend to maybe work with and run into the same people and have a real chance to develop some, some really nice relationships and working relationships with folks over the years. That actually to, to me, that, that sounds very appealing.
3: Yes, very much so. The ideas have been floated of how do we create a national database of all of these things that are available. Ooh. And it's hard enough for a company yeah. to just maintain their own right. as staff <laughs> changes. And <laughs> as, you know, you might not have gone to look to see if a set is still in good shape for many years because it hasn't moved. So it is that relationships um, of any art form, since it encompasses all the performing arts and visual arts in coming together means a multitude of relationships building for people that work in all of those spaces. Um, Who's a designer whose work is very fascinating that you might want to bring into a project or um, who uh, is thinking about doing a show and would be interested in um, similar artistic thought about what that show might look like.
0: And so not just your shows but you were talking about how the opera and conversation and mm-hmm. the after the curtain opera and conversations mm-hmm. th- that's something that's not happening in every city that has opera
2: yeah i think you know we are seeing that a lot of a lot of colleagues have um you know pre show pre show talks and pre show conversations and i think all of us are are thinking about what works for our opera company, what works for our community? What are we interested in? And so, um, we sometimes we all call them different things, and they they look you know they look somewhat similar, or you know right. in in that sort of way. But then for us, it's really you know one opera conversation is always about the the opera and the piece and like our the one you saw for marriage of figaro had our mm-hmm. director and conductor were really yeah. diving in and that's yeah. that's a little bit more of a traditional pre-show kind of format that I refer to as like the artistic pep rally for the opera yeah. like sure. let's talk about yeah. this piece and what we want to get excited about and then our and then we often have a conversation that is thinking about how do we make this Relevant. How does this connect to our community? Who in in our Omaha community is connected to this that you may or may not think about? So for Marriage of Figaro, we're we're talking about the art of comedy, and we're partnered with Big Canvas Improv Comedy, and we have a couple of different um, actors and theater artists and talking about improv and comedia and all of those things mm-hmm. so for us because at opera omaha we're really interested in how do we be relevant and how do we be accessible and and feel really deeply about our connection to the omaha community mm-hmm. that translates into what we want to do in opera and conversation how we want to you know make those connections yeah. much more visible um and then you know the artist response really came out of kind of the same idea of this valuing of connection to artist of all different disciplines and an artist who may not traditionally be. Connected with opera, but for those of us who who work in opera, we know that opera is about it being the sum of all parts. We have all of these types of art forms mm-hmm. in opera. That's what that's kind of where the magic is. Yeah. Um. And so how how do we find artists who are very specific in like those different parts and think about it? So is that visual artist? Is that poets? Is it musicians? Um. And that perspective. Is only more valuable and we think about how how this looks, how this feels. And opera conversation is also really about like what is opera in this community to to these to these people here in Omaha. For sure. You know, right now. That's yeah. what that's what we want to know. And when you're
0: when you're when you've done that in the past, what's one of the situations that's really stuck in your mind about how those conversations are have really worked and have yeah. meant something. Have you do you have any yeah. situations?
2: Um I have I'm thinking about we wrapped up our operating conversations for Swar Angelica and um had a really important and powerful conversation about women's agency and empowerment surrounding uh, Swar Angelica, yeah. and that was with um, folks from UNO and UNMC and the Women's Fund of Omaha, um, and it was a really important conversation to be had. There's some really big questions that came up, mm-hmm. but also thinking about what can we as a community, as an as an audience member, what what are points of action for us? What are points of awareness for us? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was really interesting. But I also think about you know, our artist response opera in conversation, we had um, Gina Trenisi, who's a, who's a poet and the co-executive director of the Nebraska Writers Collective, was talking about how she was impacted by the opera. And I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not going to say the exact line that she said, but she said, as a as a poet, things marinate and they come to me. And since seeing the opera, I've had this one line rattling around in my brain. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's not a poem yet, but it will be. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what Kurt said about this idea of inspiration mm-hmm. right of uh, yeah. this place of inspiration and and insight but also our conductor Judith Yen happened to be in town a couple of days after the opera and she came to that opera and conversation she is the conductor she's been living with this piece for mm-hmm. months if not years and after that artist response opera conversation she said there are just so many things that like I have never thought of that way about mm-hmm. the opera and so if we have the ability to have yeah. someone who's like that opera's living in their bones Mm -hmm. at that point Mm -hmm. in time for them to have new thoughts and insights about it. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That means it's, you know, that means it's working. And I think that's great. You know, we had a lot of excellent opportunities for connection and engagement surrounding X and a really deep partnership with the Malcolm X Memorial Foundation and Mm -hmm. that relationship is continuing on. And um, I think that's also exciting For us to think about too is you know the great part about my job is we the season gets decided we know we know what it is and then we get to have all these conversations about okay now what are we gonna do and in engagement these operas are just our jumping off point they are our source of entry for how can we how can we dive in further? How can we look at things differently? And some of those are making opportunities for, like you said, people who've seen Marriage of Figaro and they've seen it five times and they want to see it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we want to create opportunities for those who are really familiar to think about it or see it in a different way while also making opportunities for people who might not feel that opera is traditionally for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and how can we, you know, how, how do we adapt and and change and shift and, and think about, okay, if that... If you don't feel that's for you, is there a different element that ca- that might connect for you? That might make you might make a pathway for you. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And what can that
3: look like? Yeah, I think it also mm-hmm. creates space for not everyone interprets it the same way. So you don't have to go away with the right interpretation yes. of the experience. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure.
1: Uh, well, and, and I think that in that way it makes it a lot more approachable because I know um, for a lot of folks who maybe haven't been to the opera or uh, haven't had much experience with it at all. Maybe they saw Sweeney Todd mm-hmm. or Les Mis and that's been it. Mm-hmm. And, but they haven't seen maybe a traditional opera like mm-hmm. A Marriage of Figaro. Mm-hmm. And it seems very intimidating. Oh, yeah. and it's all in Italian. Yeah. And I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that I didn't know um, when I came to the opera for the first time is I know they're not called subtitles I super titles. Super for titles. Us. Thank super you. Titles. Yep. It functions like subtitles yep. on a, a a like if you're watching a foreign film, mm-hmm. and it functions like subtitles. It's right there in the opera. I love it. And it blew my mind. I'm like, well, of course they would do that, <laughs> so you can follow along because most operas are not in English. Yeah. And yeah. and that blew me away. And all of a sudden, it became like. A hundred percent less intimidating. Absolutely. And and it's not about all this weird stuff that we have no connection to. Mm-hmm. Like you said, th- th- there are these common themes, common stories, common tropes. These these characters that we all recognize, and they've been around for hundreds of years for a reason. Mm-hmm. They're really good. And like they were to you got uh, we were, the uh, we were talking with them about Marriage of Figaro, it, it, the slapstick. Mm-hmm. And sight gags, and it's just—it's it, yes, yeah. you, you go to an opera and and you <laughs> laugh because funny uh-huh. things happen. It's not all serious and and mm-hmm. dramatic, and and I think this makes it so much more approachable.
0: And I like that your season kind of. Spans the gamut of time. I know this mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. it did in in actual years span the gamut of time. Next season, it seems like you've got a couple that are still from the 1850s, but mm-hmm. you're going to reimagine do. it into a newer time. Yes, for the yeah, for the first mm-hmm. one. So you're able to do a combination of that for your season.
3: I'd also like to respond to your question about insights that we've gotten yes. out of that. Uh, One that struck me is during Malcolm X, when we did the artist response following Malcolm X, there was a lot of conversation about some trees on a backdrop on the set. So in that production, we part of the concept of it was the Audubon stage, which is where Malcolm X was shot, was okay, present in the show the whole time. Right. And so that was a recreation uh-huh. of the Audubon stage. But that wasn't really made apparent. All of us as part of the creative team knew that that's what it was, so didn't even think about it. But an audience who came did not... Make that connection. So there was a lot of interpretation about the trees on this sound of musicy kind of backdrop that you saw or didn't see, and so there was a lot of conversation about that, which never would have crossed any of our minds. No,
0: and that's really interesting. It's interesting that you brought that up because. When I saw it, my first impression wasn't the trees. It was the mountains. And I was like, there's no mountains in Omaha. (laughs) He's from Omaha. What are the mountains doing there? Well, that is really interesting. That would explain it.
3: And then, um, most recently (laughs) with Angelica. there was a lot of conversation about the fact in our presentation of it, Mm -hmm. um, she and the vision of her child don't touch hands. Mm. So there was a lot of interpretation about... um, whether Swarangelic actually died, whether she was actually forgiven, um, whether she joined her son uh, Mm -hmm. in heaven, um, all of which the director and the team thought was very clear what they were saying. But the audience came away with different interpretations because of how they interpreted that. And so that was a thought point that because we videotaped these, I was able to send that to the stage director Mm -hmm. and the conductor and they were like, oh, that's, a, I okay. That, <laughs> yes. that can inform the way I I do that in the future.
0: Interesting.
1: I love that,
3: and I like to yeah. I, I like
1: the way you guys also go out and you know you you don't uh, you're on the community like you said you're mm-hmm. working at Big Canvas you're over at Benson you're doing mm-hmm. the talk backs here and there um, you're doing. Um, Uh, What uh, opera outdoors, which is nowhere near here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's a long way away. So even before we get to Opera Outdoors, we'll do um, Opera to Go in the spring and summer, where we'll be at Mm -hmm. uh, farmers markets and we'll be at. We're partnering with Omaha Mobile Stage for their youth talent contest this Ah. summer. So we'll be at a couple of those, and so that will be you know all all kind of over town. And then yeah, we'll come back and start our season. Our big season kickoff is, is. is Opera Outdoors um, in September at Turner Park at Midtown Crossing.
3: September Um, 8th.
2: Thank you. Being outdoors and, you know, we have a rain date uh, because, so knock on wood. The, being outdoors and, and that weather and kind of a way to, that concert is really family friendly. We have a really great kids zone with all sorts of free activities. The whole thing is free and you can come out and, and think about, you know, we're aware that it's a, just a really great space to experience opera. Yeah. But also knowing that, you know, you can bring your picnic dinner. Everybody can run around. You know, you can, you can be in that space and so... If a full three-hour opera at the Orpheum is like not the way you want to experience yeah. opera, that's mm. also okay. We would love to see you at you know a small gallery concert at Gallery fifteen sixteen, or at Opera Outdoors, or at an Opera to Go. All of those are also opera experiences, mm-hmm. and so sure. you know um, intentionally being out in different different parts of the community. Yeah.
3: Uh, This opera outdoors will also be the first one created by our new general director and we'll have a new head of music at that point. Um, It's typically not a preview of the season. It is um, other things that we would like to present that we might not be able to do as part of the season. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, over the last few years, we've really been building up as a Spanish bilingual uh, experience with um, co-hosts speaking in Spanish and English and materials in both, which is what has led us into programming of The Last Dream of Frida and Diego was that we were building this connection and audiences, and that's a production that is, sung entirely in Spanish. The entire creative team and cast are Spanish speakers. Um, so uh, rather than having a rehearsal room where we're talking to each other in English but singing in Italian, mm-hmm. um, that whole process will be completely in Spanish. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. With English supertitles yes. for the performances. See, and I love that.
1: And it, I, I just I, I love every part of that.
0: See, when I, did, when I saw opera as a kid, it's been so long, the, the supertitles didn't exist. Right. So it is a real yes. new experience mm-hmm. for yes.
3: some of us. Yeah, uh, it I was, was created at again. the Canadian Opera Company in the 80s, oh. in the 1980s and actually they have a trademark on the name Surtitles. so that's oh. why we use SuperTitles super <laughs> as the more generic Yeah. Form or not. well alright
2: interesting and I think something to note too is, is that those SuperTitles are are created for the show so when you think about how do we make a show relevant and connect it's also some of that too is the, the language of the SuperTitles that are often you know yeah. are often written for each show I saw um Song, who's working on our super titles for Figaro the other day, you know, typing out what those are so we can think about that's also an opportunity for us to think about how do we make it relevant and accessible? How do we make it language that... Um, yeah. Audiences today will connect with and understand, especially when we're talking about jokes. Man, comedy, super title, oh, super title comedy is like a Translating whole jokes other skill and make, it funny.
3: and make the timing of it land. It track. is a, yeah. it is a
2: yes. very like <sighs> detailed is a skill. skill. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I know. That suddenly becomes a massively
3: important job. Right. Yeah, yeah. In, in the opera, for sure. Mm hmm. Um, but that is, there are artistic choices made in that. Yeah, for um, sure. We're not the, you know, misspelling, um, closed captioning person <laughs> yes. at, at the time. But yeah. um, thinking of the rhythms of those and mm-hmm. the actual words and how much poetry we can include in that rather mm-hmm. than simply translation is a huge part of um, crafting what the experience is for an audience member.
0: Wow. So you've got your opera opera outdoors, and then you've got some student programs that you're going to be doing, including your poetry and music and some other artists.
2: So we're going to do, this spring, we'll do our... Poetry and Music is a year long program. And so we're right now kind of at the almost at the culmination point where we'll have our annual Poetry and Music Project concert. This year there are 15 poems that have been turned into pieces of music. Students from all over Nebraska have submitted. We had about 135 poems submitted. And then our two professional composers who are alumni of the American Opera Project's Composers in the Voice program, um, J.E. Hernandez and Gabrielle Herbst, have selected those poems to set to original music that they have written. And so those will be performed on May 7th at the Benson Theater. And then we will, over the summer, we will talk with a uh, project partner, Nebraska Writers Collective, really think about themes, developing prompts, and then we'll put out a call again uh, next September for for poems mm-hmm. for kind of the next the next year, the next iteration. Um, and in the fall, we do writing workshops with Nebraska Writers Collective, so where we go into classrooms and talk about how do we write poetry that lends itself to music? What are the things mm. that you might think about in terms of rhythm? Mm-hmm. Kurt was talking about this in supertitles, right? How do we think about that poetry in terms of lyrics and rhythm and how music might influence our writing? Hmm. Again, we'll have composers read all of those poems. They'll select, you know, select me and we go through that whole process. So it's, the whole process is is a year long. And the great part is all of the poems that get submitted to the project are featured in the poetry music project book because it's not about it's not a contest it's not about what is the best poem we're mm-hmm. talking we're back to talking about inspiration mm-hmm. right about yeah reading all of these poems what strikes for these composers that they hear music and that's what we're looking for as part of that Process And so highlighting all of those poems this year, it's going to be a real big book because we have yeah. so many poems submitted, which is great. That's and strange. so that's made available online. It's sent out to all of mm-hmm. the poets and all of the teachers. But it's also mm-hmm. part of the Omaha Public Library Zine Collection. So you can go to the Omaha Public Library Zine Collection and check out, you know, a couple of past years of the Poetry and Music Project oh. in that way. Oh, neat. And it's on YouTube,
0: too, I think. Yeah, some of them. we have some of them.
2: Many for, of them, yeah, yeah, for the last couple of years that we've done it. We've, you know, live streamed and recorded uh, recorded those pieces. So they're available archives um, of all of the pieces that have yeah. been created are on, online.
0: That's interesting that you want the people who are writing the poetry to think about the music mm. first. So almost almost like their poem needs to have a range of emotions, and not just necessarily
2: just one emotion to think about, or it can have one emotion if it has if it has detail and specificity. Mm-hmm. Like those are the things that are uh, that can inspire things. Or um, when we read through, we just had music workshops last week where we had student poets and composers and singers and pianists all in the same space to hear the piece and talk about it. And okay, does this sound like what you thought in your head? And making adjustments. But what was special about all of those poems is they're very specific. They're about a specific experience or they give you a really strong sense of place. They have movement or they have flow. And so, you know, over the 15 poems that we're talking about, there's a lot of differences in all of the in all of the poems. But when you read those 15 as selected, you know, there's very there's a perspective that's really strong and that's what makes part of it. I mean, the other part of it is, is just length. You know, it takes a lot longer to sing a word or a phrase than it does to say it. And so we have one song that the poem is very long. And so the song is very long. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's, and there's a, there's a, there's portions of it where, where some of the, some of the words are, are more kind of stated to a, to a beat and to a rhythm than they are sung because the poem was so long. and we wanted to the composer wanted to make it a song but also like how do I fit all of this in and not make it a 15 minute right, song yeah. and that's uh, honestly at the end of the day that's why we can only do a certain number of the poems uh, is because sure. we cannot have a three day poetry music <laughs> project concert it's <laughs> not it's not that they, it wasn't you know quality we went back and forth with the composers a lot because their mm. initial selection I think they sent me like 33 and I was like okay there's no way uh, we cannot do yeah. 33
1: poems we really need to narrow this down <laughs> we
2: really do so yeah that's part of the the process and the singers were amazing oh my god yeah I came
1: back from rehearsal the other night and she's watching it and uh, and I just (laughs) sat down with my doggie and we and we all watched it, and I'm like, so what is this? And then I'm like, oh, my gosh. And it, you and, know what
0: it is now. <laughs> and they had two
1: different, yeah, and you yeah, had the, yeah. the, the male finger, singer, female singer, yeah. and, and they would trade off back and forth. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, and this year we have an even broader kind of spectrum of who our singers are in the project. We have a mix of one of them who was, who was part of that project last year, Jamie Marie Webb, who's one of our Holland Community Opera Fellows. She's part of the project again. Okay. Um, and then we have two artists who are from our Opera Omaha Chorus and kind of our core group of artists who are Omaha-based and who we have in a lot of our productions and programming. And then we also have a selection of singers from UNO, from their School of Music, from their Opera Theater Opera Workshop program. And so what's really interesting is the composers, when they're choosing a piece of poetry to write to, they're also thinking about what voice types are available to them and how, how do they want to set it? What range are we looking at? Where does this Fit what as a as a poem. What is this music sounding like in my head? So then, who needs to sing it? You have some fellowships as well. Yeah, we'll... so we have our Holland Community Opera Fellowship, um, mm-hmm. and those are for artists who are who are with us, and it's mm-hmm. um, really about being both honoring their artistry and their skill, but also as teaching artists mm-hmm. and, and kind of teaching artist training and, and an incubator for that. And they work with community partners all over the city and do creativity workshops in all different ways. Yeah. We talked a little bit about how opera has all of the art forms available yeah. to it as part of opera. And so then our fellows have all of those art forms at their fingertips to to create workshops that really are about responding to community partner needs, to mm-hmm. responding to participant interest and needs. Um, you know opera as all of the things together could be really overwhelming but if you separate out these elements and choose to focus on one of those things in a workshop or one or two things or we have a workshop coming up with the Intercultural Senior Center where we're working with a group of um, Ukrainian refugees who and that workshop's going to kind of focus on a cultural exchange of music and ideas that group really loves singing and, and performing and we know that so we cool. want them to share with us some of mm. their music mm. and things they're passionate about nice and we're also going to wrap in some some visual art making to go with that and thinking about spring and celebrating spring and nature in the landscape and so mm. that's really an example of how can we take what you're already interested in, you're already engaged with, and also what a community partner establishes as a as a want or a need. And then we can be a creative and artistic resource to really amplify that and to to serve in that way.
3: We're unique in that program in that it's not opera education. We're not going out to teach people about opera yeah. or to understand the stories or learn about the operas that exist. We use the tools that these fellows have as opera makers to unlock and inspire others for their own artistic or expression of any sort in what they're trying to do or add to their lives or can add to their lives. Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter of please come see, please book us to do this 15-minute opera right. and we'll teach you about the voice types, but instead actually learning in the crafting of the various parts that make up opera. But some of the programs do write mm-hmm. and create operas as mm-hmm. part of what they do desire to do yeah yeah
0: so how did you come into opera kurt i know we've been able to talk about lauren's story because she got she got involved in opera kind of early on Uh in in life in school Uh, how about you what was your story
3: yes so i actually went to college to be a double major in chemical engineering and dance After a couple years in college with that, I was like, uh, neither of these do I have the passion for to really devote myself to. And so I took a lighting design class with a friend, because that sounded interesting, and I really got caught up in the physics that are involved with lighting design. Okay. Where it's about angles of light, colors of light, movement between fading up and fading down. Okay. Um, and so that was sort of the crossover point for me.
4: Wow. Um,
3: so I moved over into technical theater while I was in college. Um, my first jobs were like working as an apprentice, scenic person at Santa Fe Opera. Um, I could read music because I had grown up playing violin and singing in church choirs. Okay. Um, and I uh, was asked to be a, become a stage manager for musicals and operas. And that's just where my career wow. moved into. I will confess, I don't work in this business because I love opera so much. I just have to live in it. I work in this business because the people who create opera are such fascinating people. Yeah. Um, and the energy of co-creating and working as an ensemble in this space mm-hmm. is what's kept me in the business for over 40 years. Wow. Wow. That, that, that's a testament to this opera community like mm-hmm. we were talking earlier this Absolutely. sort of you know the little fingernail size community <laughs> <laughs> yep. so
0: you were from santa fe
3: no i grew up in southern california
0: california so still snow is in new, this new, this snow is a new thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh,
3: when i uh, when I left college, I specifically wanted to live in places that weren't Southern California really? and had seasons. Oh, um, so yeah. uh, I've I've lived in a number of places: Chicago, Detroit, yeah. New York, um, but never back on the coasts, yeah. uh, the Southern Coast. Right. Fair enough.
0: Well, you got—we definitely have seasons here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> even in a day. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so a couple of things we haven't touched on that I'd like to just like, um, I think an element of what Lauren was talking about of this creating with poetry and music yes. is leaning so much into what we do isn't just about the performance that the audience sees, but how do we create this space for artistic creation? Um, I talked about a short rehearsal process for the main stage stuff. But still, there's the artistic creation that's part of it. And how do we as a company Mm -hmm. support those artists co-creating together? That they feel the space to take artistic risks and make challenges and make decisions themselves that make this a unique production for this time and space for what we see there. And how does that inspire others? The work of the poetry and music isn't just about... Um, the students getting a chance to write, but it's also the composers that we get out of our partnership with American Opera Projects that are fairly new to composing. They're out of some training programs, but are still (laughs) learning how to compose for the voice in in short form along those lines. So it's about the process of all of us honing our skills with each other um, and really leaning into how do we create and center that Art making process, so that what you see as an audience in a performance or on a YouTube or a film thing is a result of that co-creation.
0: What a collaborative space! Yeah, I was going to say,
3: yeah,
0: Yeah. on both on all sides of the stage.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's we talked about opera you know the magic is in the fact that it has all those things but it's also you know like kurt said it's about it's about all those different people and personalities and 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 what they bring in Mm -hmm. to this space and really thinking about um how do how do those all come together in in various ways
1: well and that especially and when it sounds like you and and your group are are especially mindful of of setting up and creating that space just like you said Mm -hmm. where people are. And sort of relax and be comfortable, and really, and and really create and make mistakes, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Or try something weird, and and hey, maybe it's good, and maybe it's not. But you tried it, and now you know. And uh, not 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 every space is like that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and 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 we definitely, as a, I, 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 I hesitate to call myself an artist, but I am an actor. <laughs> and uh, uh, as an actor. Oh boy, do I appreciate folks like you! <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for that. Yes.
2: And I think that's also something that's really important in the work that our Holland Community Opera Fellowship does. Is well, workshops might look different in different spaces as they're doing different activities. At the forefront of what we're always doing is we are prioritizing creating a safe space for participants to explore yeah. and to explore their and to explore their own creativity and to explore their own expression and and what do you, they want and need and so at the end of the day you know that's priority number one yeah. and we don't worry so much about what comes out at the end of a workshop it's about the time that you spent in this space with us that's where the value is
1: yeah mm-hmm. for sure the yeah. process yep right.
2: it's all about the process yeah
1: i love sure. it
0: that you engage the community and in just all all different ages and different places and you engage the community and conversations about it
3: Yes. I love it. You got me. I'm a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> big well, time. Well, we're talking about the Holland Community Opera Fellows. Um, It took me a while to realize that there wasn't a place in the Omaha area called the Holland Community. Um, The naming for it um, is really due to generous uh, philanthropic support from the Holland Foundation in launching it, which creates that these programs are free to the participants, that Mm -hmm. all of our partners and all of our program for the fellowship is provided free of charge. Um, due to that significant starting funding and ongoing funding from donors that support that fellowship. Mm -hmm.
4: That's great. Mm.
3: But it took me a long time to... Give up trying to find the Holland community. <laughs> Holland was really looking for tulips and windmills <laughs> and, some, and some
2: wooden claws. Right. It was some Holland, little,
1: Nebraska, some really good that?
3: food. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and I didn't discover Xarb until after I got here. Yeah. <laughs> and that was a whole other mind trip.
0: Yes. Oh, Ex-Arvin, I do remember it back <laughs> in the day. It uh, was nothing like it is now. Oh, uh, <laughs> It was a parking lot. Most of it, yeah, well, fairgrounds and right. a parking
1: <laughs> yeah. lot. Yeah, horse racing, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, yeah, from Kansas City, so. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and yes. now
0: it's like the place to.
1: And now I to went go. to yes. We're
0: gonna have to buy some dog treats down there. We found yes dog treats. We that's like. right.
1: I was at uh, the Omaha f- <laughs> uh, film film stuff, festival uh, film yeah. festival last week down yeah.
2: there. I think that's. I mean, <laughs> it's so funny to me, um, having grown up in Nebraska, and then I left for about twelve years, and then came back to work at opera Omaha and there's been, you know, things like Xarban where like, that's a totally, a a totally different experience, a totally different change. And so people will ask, especially when they, they come into town for working on certain parts of the opera, they'll be like, Oh, was it, you know, it must've been so cool to grow up here. And I was like, "Mm." (laughs) (laughs) Hmm, that was not, if you had told me when I graduated Mm. from high school that I would like actively be pursuing moving back to Omaha as an adult, yeah. I would have been like, "I'm sorry, no, you must be mistaken." Right. <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. then, you know, you you realize that a there's change, but also there's there are these spaces and there's this artistic community and there's yeah. there's this room to to create and explore and to build things and to work at at companies where it is really about encouraging this like creative collaborative environment and yes. how can we. How can we you know use things in that way, and so that's just you know I think one of the things that I'm really mindful of the privilege of getting to do this work in my hometown, yeah,, yeah. and it's a really cool part to like think about programs and creating opportunities that you would have like loved to see that didn't that didn't exist and that you know that can exist now. Mm-hmm. That's the only way we make progress and change, yeah. you know moving forward, right.
1: Yeah, it was it was one of the things and I know I've said it before but I I'll, I'll say it again too because uh, one of the things coming from Kansas City up to Omaha, I wasn't expecting to encounter this large vibrant arts community here. I just that wasn't in my head for Omaha. That's not that's not Omaha. And then I get up here and I dip my toe in and then there's every it's like everything everywhere all at once. I'm like, are you kidding? There's 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 all of this stuff, and yes. and I, I, that 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 wasn't part of, of of what was in my head for Omaha. And the more I look, the more there is, mm-hmm. and the more there continues to be. Yes. And 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 folks like you, I think, are a huge part of what makes it so good because we got opera happening, the yes. only place in the state, right here, and. It's amazing. I was blown away. So uh, you guys are doing such incredible work here yeah. and, and fostering such a wonderful, creative environment and going out into the community and, and, and finding ways, all these different ways to connect with people. Because, you know, it's a smaller thing, opera, mm-hmm. like you said. And it doesn't have to be. And yeah. it shouldn't be because I, it is honestly for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think, the more I see it, the more I'm like, why why don't more people go see opera? <laughs> I mean, uh, you know what I mean?
0: What was your first opera experience like, Kurt?
3: Um, it was sitting on those back steps at Santa Fe Opera as um, mm-hmm. actually Marriage of Figaro was playing really? on Marriage stage of Figaro. and I was waiting for the next scene that's change to oh. to do. So that's really where I got caught up, I think, with it.
2: Such a, such a popular one. Yes. We've ever seen. So that's the thing, <laughs> my favorite place to watch an opera in the Orpheum Theater is standing off to the side of the balcony. I'm short enough that I can stand over the, there's a little grill, no one can see me, I can see everybody, it's great. Um, So I stand off to the sides during student dress rehearsal and I just love watching students' reactions to the opera. Because you know, about half of them at any student dress rehearsal, this will be a first opera experience. We do have some now who come all the time and so they are seasoned opera goers. (laughs) But that moment of genuine reaction and engagement when your body is pulled towards the stage because you are just drawn in that's my favorite place and so when i say like watching an opera it's probably a 50 50 of me watching watching every (laughs) like everybody else and seeing that and then also experiencing it because you know for every for every student dress rehearsal you're gonna have that mix right but yeah but there are those students who this is going to be it. This is what's going to click for them. And mm-hmm. they're, they're going to remember and know. And to know that this is a possibility. This is a thing that exists and that you yes. can be part of.
1: You could do that. You, yeah. can do yeah, you can do this. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
3: In many ways. We, a lot of the work we do is also what are other career paths in opera besides being a singer mm-hmm.
4: or yeah. being uh-huh. a
3: conductor of right. all those stage technologies or costuming technologies or production management mm-hmm. things. There are many pathways into working in this space. Yeah, yeah.
1: You like to be a costumer or like to do period paces. Man, opera's yeah. the place. <laughs> yeah.
2: Or we talk about those, you know, those we do um, some backstage tours sometimes, where we talk about those backstage careers and thinking about, you know, what are those what are those training paths look like. Um, what do do you need to go to college? Can you start working you know right. right out of high school? are there are there options? what are the things you what are the hard skills you need? What are some of the soft skills you need? Um, and really thinking about the space that you know if there's a thing that interests you when you think about opera, when you think about the performing arts, there's probably a space that that connects in. Um, and, uh, you know, Kurt and I are here because neither of us have on-stage careers. If we're doing our job really well, you probably don't, like, notice that it's happening. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. I mean, it's not like you guys were, you know, former opera singers and now you're just involved with it or whatever. Yep. And and even you yourself, you said you, you didn't come to it because you had this overwhelming love of opera. It was the creative environment
4: mm-hmm. that
1: the opera community has is what is what drew you. And... Mm-hmm. And and in any creative, especially if you're cons- you know doing something in the performing arts in any way, but a, a good story is a good story, whether it's a play, it's a it's a book, it's a comic, it's a TV show, it's a whatever. A good story is where you find it, and and a good story will get you going. Good characters, they're
3: where you find them, man. And opera's loaded with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also. F- I think that we tend to neglect the orchestra part when we talk about opera as well. Yes, we're very much strongly supported by our partnership with the symphony here, Absolutely. and many of our conductors coming in are amazed at the skill of this ensemble. Of of musicians in that we're the only ones there in the orchestra pit for the rest of the Broadway tours and all of that bring yeah. people with them so um, that musicianship and the skill of the symphony that brings that next level of component of experience to the you know the multi-dimensional experience we have absolutely um I, I think we tend to uh, not speak much about because True. it's so so mm-hmm. wonderful and important to it, it
1: is well and they're all they are they're all kind of hidden so you yeah. don't get to see them mm-hmm. but and, they're but no but yeah, they're it, local artists uh, absolutely and, <laughs> and it's the Omaha symphony <laughs> yes that, the absolute mm-hmm. mm-hmm. does because I love the Omaha Symphony they're so wonderful These too. yeah and and mm-hmm. and, it, and it's something that they always notice and I'm I'm surprised I never brought it up my first music was soundtrack music Mm -hmm. was John Williams John Mm -hmm. Williams is my first love Mm -hmm. and uh, and and that's and that's always the first thing I hear is the music um, because I'm listening for it
3: And uh, God, yeah, without, yeah, no music, no opera. No. (laughs) And and then the other local artists or craftsmen that we don't talk about much are stagehands. You know, the union crews, the crews that are running the backstage component, that as we talk about how we build relationships, our relationship to serving locals, who are employed in the theater-making business, too. That came up a lot for us during the pandemic. As we were yeah. closing down things, it was easy enough to think about contract paying out contracts for artists for canceled productions. But being here, thinking in terms, we also serve a community who live and work here. And so we mm-hmm. came up with yeah. additional projects to employ stagehands in during that period because all of their work had gone away. Yeah. Um, and, but in order to keep a vibrant community of people working in those spaces how can we as good citizens of our community create those work environments um, for those folks so all of the different ways that people participate in the art making that ends up on our stage yeah
0: wow Well, I'm excited for you. Very excited. I'm I'm excited for your new season and all of the the wonderful events that you have, the opera to go, the opera outdoors, all of that, that you offer the community and are really trying to reach out to the community. It's not a stuffy situation. It can be
2: as extravagant and glamorous as you want it to be, Mm -hmm. or it can also be, you know, intimate and outside and casual like you can yeah. the full spectrum of those experiences is absolutely available and isn't that it.
0: how it was always supposed to be if you think
2: <laughs> of you know the german environment where mozart would be doing mm-hmm. especially like the comedic operas and that sort of thing mm-hmm. of, of being much more populist if you mm-hmm. think in yeah kind of In Nebraska, when you go to all these communities, every small community had an opera house. Mm -hmm. They all did because it was really so central to who they were as a community to have this art, to have this art form available and be in that space. and, And, you know, it's only in you know, in the long spectrum of time. It's only in more recent history that that, that has shifted. I mean, I think, you yeah. know, also, when opera used to be regularly on the radio and was a thing that yeah. people listened to all the time and had a really, like, personal connection with in a <laughs> in a broader space. Not so that we, long ago. It's not that long an no. ago. So if we think in that kind of spectrum of time, you know, and I also think that, um, you know, at Opera Omaha, we're very much in the space of, when you come and see an opera, you know, we want you to come in the way that is that's comfortable and accessible to you. And if that means that you would like to use it as an excuse to get like fully kitted out and show up in a full length <laughs> gown, by all means. Great. We'd love to have you. If it means coming in, you know, in your in your jeans and your tennis shoes, great. We would love to have you. Yeah. It's not, you know, it, it doesn't have we don't have a dress code. No, right.
1: come as you are.
2: Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. For sure. And and your tickets are still $19? Yeah, mm-hmm. they start at $19. So, yeah. you know, Dude. depending on what movie you're going to, maybe cheaper than a movie uh, ticket. Yes. Yeah, definitely cheaper than some of the theaters.
1: Yeah, for Absolutely. a lot of theaters. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so,
3: yes. Yes. And yeah. affordable. We do still have a preciousness about the experience. You yeah. know, let's be honest. You're asked to come in at a particular time and right. sit. Oh, sure. And be quiet mm-hmm. and, yeah, and we'll not do anything till you till we allow you to do that. So <laughs> yeah. there is still that preciousness about the experience mm-hmm. you oh, don't sure. have in a movie theater or at a concert yeah. along mm-hmm. those lines. Right. And I think as long as you're prepared to know that that's what the. Mm-hmm. Expectation is, or of the people that you're yeah. sharing the space mm-hmm. with, then I think that your experience of it can be still within as much of eunice mm-hmm. in that space. Yeah. To clarify, also we're not a part of the Omaha Performing Arts Organization, right. so we are. Tenants for brief periods of time Mm -hmm. in the theater, which is why we have such a tight time frame for actually producing it. Um, And in creating it here, that's half of it is in our rehearsal space and half of it's in the time we are able to get on the schedule. um, That's got to be a hard job because I know
0: that theaters that have... Trouble, and they own their space. So yes,
1: uh, yeah, that's tough, yeah, that's a tough. Somebody else to was in, in in your space, yeah. and you're rehearsing somewhere else. And yeah, yeah I went But that. we're very
3: fortunate to have the Orpheum and Omaha Performing Arts as our structure sure. um, to work within. Certainly making our ticketing process seamless with the rest of the experience of yeah. things. that at the Orpheum and it's a great team of people there that are very supportive of the work we are doing in the space. Yeah. So it's such a gorgeous I don't theater ever feel too, like yeah. we've been, um, uh, <laughs> we're have been the bane of their existence <laughs> no. for two weeks, but they're no. really partners with us in making it successful. It's, yeah. it's a perfect theater. It's so beautiful it is, and, it is. and it's just perfect.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah. we're so glad you're here and we're so glad that you talked to us about your season we're excited for you and Absolutely. we are here to support you and can't wait to talk to you about more of it yes so. awesome
2: thank, thank you so much. so much thank you
0: thank you for listening and supporting the arts in the platte river area and beyond please subscribe to our podcast so you are sure to catch all of our future episodes and join us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. See you next time on the Platte River Bard.